Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. And welcome to the Calcedon Foundation Homeschool Helps with Andrea Schwartz. That's me, Andrea Schwartz. And my co-host, you might say, or partner in crime, is Nancy Wilk. And she's in Virginia. I'm in California. And we are both moving outside our comfort zones as we deal with technology and hoping that um, our broadcast is effective in terms of people actually being able to view it and useful to people. So Nancy. Yes, ma'am. We, we came up with a topic for today. Why don't you share what our topic is? Yes. Well, we were talking about on the job training and what that might look like. How do we get that? Because there is too many times the perception that we've got to figure everything out and that so much of the, responsibility should be left to the professionals. How do we, um, how do we uh, transition to um, homeschooling and feel in a, some sense of competency um, and in strength moving forward? So those are some of the things I want to talk about today. Okay. So let's cover some just basics. First of all, Competency and excellence. These are things that the Christian should strive for. And very few things in life happen effectively if you're not in some way trained to do so. Now, the myth of the expert is that it takes going to secular universities or even a Christian university to become qualified in order to be able to teach. I would call that a myth because your ability to teach has everything to do with what it is you know. And if we think the most important things to know are astrophysics or calculus or uh, advanced languages or something like that, as opposed to imparting to our children why they were created, the purpose of their creation, and what God requires of them. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes, where it says, hear the conclusion of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for that's the whole duty of man. Well, you've just discovered what it is you need to do in order to have a successful homeschool. You need to, first of all, yourself, fear God and keep his commandments and then impart that to your children. But this is a progressive thing. I've been a Christian for over 30 years, and I'd have to say that I'm still learning how to fear God and keep his commandments. So it's not a one-time only thing. You get a certificate. And that's the problem with modern ideas of education and qualifications to teach. Very few people, once they get their degree, unfortunately, continue to be students. And the most important thing for the homeschool mom or dad is to continue to be a student of God's word. 
right, right. Andrea, I have here um, one of your books. I have this, um, A Woman of the House, A Mother's Role in Building Christian Culture. And if you don't mind, I would like to take a look here at um, chapter two, a little bit of chapter two of this book. Um, you entitled it, You Have Heard It Said. I'm going to read just a little bit and then let you okay. pick up, okay? It says, people, whether they like it or not, acknowledge, or whether they like it or acknowledge it, are products of their culture. We're all born into an ongoing story and absorb premises and presuppositions from early in our lives. Many who profess belief and loyalty to Jesus Christ and his holy word have been educated by those outside the faith and hold a multitude of conclusions drawn from faulty premise. Even within the ranks of Christian homeschooling, too few parents re-examine views they've held since childhood and fail to use a biblical lens to evaluate whether cultural norms are in fact biblical norms. Is this the kind of um, re-examination and education and learning that you're talking about doing? Absolutely. Anybody who knows RJ Rush Jr. who started the Calcedon Foundation and you spend any time with him, either in his writing or in discussion, he would say that he had to unlearn a lot of things he learned in school. Now, the blessing of being able to impart a Christian education from the get-go is that you don't have to unlearn things. But there are basic premises of scripture that you're not going to find in the public square. And if you are a product of statist education, or even let's say you were born like I was in the latter part of the 20th century, humanism was all around the culture. And so if you look at the things that um, came across as important when I was growing up, get a good to get a good job, you need a good education, mm -hmm. go to college. So right. everybody bought into the idea of college. And that, I think, happened to um, progress this idea that said we needed experts to tell us how to be parents. Because, you see, home education is just an extension of being a parent. And so if we don't reexamine the things that we hold to be true and then say, does the Bible give us any foundation for this view? then really and truly, whether or not we homeschool or send our kids to a Christian school or send them to a public school, if we're not imparting a biblical world and life view, we're not only not helping them, we're not helping and advancing the kingdom of God. Right, right. Andrea, everybody might not realize it, but my building is right beside a railroad track and we are getting the train. Hold on just a minute, please. Oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. It shows that it's real life. I fully expect at any given point that the mailman's going to come and my dog is going to make sure he knows that um, he has to go away. So, uh, yeah, that's called real life. Real life, real life. Okay. All right. So um, not only do we anticipate um, needing professionals in terms of education and things like that, we also have a, a sense that um, – there's professionals in terms of um, Christianity. But in this chapter, uh, you've heard it said, you make a point that Jesus would begin many of his teachings with the phrase, you've heard it said. 
And then he would follow up with, but I say, uh, in each case, he was addressing some aspect of the Mosaic law that had been hijacked by religious leaders of the day for their purposes. And as a result, um, the disciples were unwittingly offending God while they're under the impression that they were being religious. Right. So we still do that in many, many, many ways. Um, think that that we're, we're doing the right thing. We're doing the right thing. Or at least we doing what we've been told, whether it's going to college or going to this church or that church or something else. So on the job training really does require that we return to the biblical, like the, um, uh, in history, what is it called when you uh, return to the original source documents? Like we want to return to the original source documents and let the Holy Spirit and the word of God himself tell us what he, what he says and what he means. Right. And this is a radical view for a lot of people because they don't look at the Christian faith as a faith for all of life. Except if you read the Bible, the Bible most decidedly declares itself authoritative in every area of life. And what's happened is we've partitioned our lives. Church and Christianity, by and large, are reserved for Sundays or holidays or maybe that once a week midweek meeting or prayer meeting or something. And then the rest of the life that we lead has to be governed by something else. Well, if anybody wants the short answer as to why the society we live in is less than preferable and oftentimes downright awful, it's because God's law is not the governing force in the civil realm, oftentimes in the church realm, and sadly in the family realm, which is the area where the dominion mandate, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's the institution that has been given those marching orders. The other institutions are to help the family proceed to be kingdom builders. That's why a sub-ministry of Chalcedon that I sort of um, watch over or speak to is called the kingdom-driven family. Because if we're not kingdom-driven, then we are not following Jesus' command to seek first the kingdom of God. Right. So, so that brings in something that I know a lot of people maybe misunderstand, maybe they haven't been taught, but the idea that the kingdom of God is for some other time, some other place, and and what you're really saying is, and I, I believe the scripture teaches very clearly that Jesus is Lord now, that his kingdom is at hand. It's not something that's going to come later. So to be kingdom driven and to advance the kingdom of God means that we recognize that <coughs> Jesus is Lord now and that as we put that biblical order and submit ourselves to his authority now, that advances the kingdom. Is that correct? Yes. And the kingdom is not just the church. The kingdom is anything that has been created. When, when Jesus ascended, his last words is, all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And then there's that therefore. The therefore makes no sense if he's not all powerful and he's not king of kings and lord of lords. 
and how the church of God, and by the church, I don't mean the buildings, I mean the saints, I mean those who have been redeemed by Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within them. We have given up the ground that God has given us and commanded us to take. So when we talk about on-the-job training, the important part is training. You don't just decide to homeschool and say, I guess I'm competent any more than you would say, I couldn't possibly homeschool because I'm not competent. God calls us to competency and he calls us to excellence. Right. So when people embrace that idea. They say, oh, that's great. But, you know, it's going to take me years to get qualified. Okay. Not really. Not really. Not really. So give us uh, then some real practical examples we kind of understand it in theory. So let's talk about some very practical examples and ways that that happens. Or, okay. or maybe tell us how it happened for you, some of the examples. Well, yeah, right, because we all have subjective experiences with this, but you homeschooled your children, I homeschooled mine, and there are lots of people hopefully watching or will watch who are homeschooling theirs. So right. what makes you competent? What, first of all, who gives you the authority to teach your children? Is it the well, state you live in? Is it the federal no. government? Who, who no. gives you, who says, teach your children, they're your responsibility? God says that. And many places in scripture, not the least of which from the time they wake up till the time they go to bed, you're supposed to be relating everything. Now, some people would say, wow, then you just become a hyper-religious person. Well, right. If religion, yeah. if religion is the thing that is most important to you, your children are going to figure out what that is. And if you say it's Christ, and if you say it's the Bible, but you don't live that way, guess what they're going to figure out? Oh, that's what we say, but that's not what we do. That's right. That's right. When I first read that scripture, my my um, younger, my oldest daughter was just like three or four years old. And I couldn't figure out how I was going to be faithful to do that and send her to school at the same time. So, you know, perhaps some people consider themselves a little more clever, but I was not one that could do that. Yeah. So here's what I, I mean by on the job training, learn something and then apply it. So for example, Let's take the first commandment. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's a great place to start. Examining if there are things in our lives that we have given preeminence to or priority over God. In my case, as a new homeschooling mom, I had placed academic success and the approval of other people as a very high priority. If I'm going to justify homeschooling, my father has to think it's a good idea. I have to be better than any school in my area. Well, that wasn't being very kingdom minded, unfortunately. That was being other people minded. Mm -hmm. So as I learned, and I'll share in a little bit some of the materials that helped me learn, I realized that the things that were important for me to know and apply were the very things that were important for my children to know. Now, in the process of all that, you say, well, how are you going to deal with grammar? How are you going to deal with math? How are you going to deal with history? Well, yes, you have to select materials that are going to teach it. But if you didn't have a good education yourself, you're going to be learning right along with your children. 
And we can talk right. about probably another time how to select good curriculum. But if you yeah. don't have a mindset and you don't have a mission that what you're doing is you're doing it out of obedience, then you're going to be floundering trying to figure out what's righteous and what's not. Right. One of the things that I found really um, practical is, you know, when you have little little children and they go take a nap in the afternoon, that's a great time for mom to have a little bit of her own um, time of um, educating herself and um, doing extra reading just for myself. And then as my children grew out of nap time, we still maintained that, um, that um, quiet time in the house. So the kids could nap or they could read their own books, but mom still had that, you know, two or three hour window to invest in keeping her own, keeping, keeping mama, mama sane and um, focused on um, learning, learning to take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. So I said before, if you want to be a better teacher, you better be a continuing student. Right. And just in case we have people out here saying, oh, that's great. They take a nap and now you're telling me I have to do something other than turn on the television or check my Facebook feed or something like that. Well, let me ask you this question. Your car breaks. Are you going to want to bring it to a mechanic who's been trained or one who just basically figures, well, I don't know, I, I can figure out how this works. Or how about a doctor if you have broken your arm? Do you, I mean, sometimes you're going to have an intern or you're going to have a resident or a student, but that person is being guided. And so they have to learn how to do things. If you ever were in a hospital, it was a teaching hospital, you had some nurses or doctors who were in training. So obviously in that arena, it works to have training and have people apply what they learn. The same thing is true in parenting and homeschooling. And so I can't say enough. I could give you a whole list of books that you should read, lectures you should listen to. But if in your heart, it's not, I want to be the best teacher I can be for my children. And in order to do so, I want to be most faithful to God in the things that he's called me to do. So we're right back to what does God call a parent to do? And how does that parent discharge those duties under God? Right. I like reminding moms that um, really the answers are in the, to the questions in the school, in the school books, the answers are in the teacher's manual and the instructions are are in there. So those kind of academics, we really can learn along the way. What is, like you say, the most important thing is for us to um, get that foundational, um, that, that foundational premise that our lives and our families and our house will be built on the word of God. Right. So then the choices of the books you made in terms of the things that will be read aloud as a family, the curriculum choices you make, you can look through a curriculum and say, this is just such busy work. I don't want to do it. I want something that's meaty. Or you might say, you know what? I'm going to learn a bunch of stuff and then I'm going to teach it orally. I'm going to teach it by maybe reading excerpts out of a book, the things that I'm learning. And then your children see that your words match your actions. Right. Uh, again, we can talk about this at a future time, but how many parents will say, I'm terrible at math. I don't, I don't like math. I don't, I don't do it. Or I don't like to write. 
And yet comes the part in the school day and they're going to tell their children, you have to do your math or you have to write. And the children say, gee, isn't that interesting? Mom and dad don't do this. So I guess it's really that they seem to be doing okay. Dad makes money and mom is able to operate. She's got lots of friends. I guess it's not important. And that shows the disconnect. It says, wait a minute, I'm asking you to do something that either I can't do or I won't do. Well, right. let me point out to people that who actually gains the most out of the homeschooling situation is the homeschooling teacher. I there are plenty so. of things I can tell you now that I understand that I got good grades in school, but I didn't understand. I just was parroting it back. But as soon as I had to teach it, and then mm -hmm. I got to teach it in terms of how this fits in to God and his word. And if I discovered it didn't, that subject went out the, out the window because obviously it wasn't that important. Right. I can't tell you how many times I would be trying to teach my kids and just be so enthralled in this wonderful thing that I was learning. And my kids would just be like, they, they didn't understand how exciting it was. But when you've been, you know, when you start learning these things um, later in life and then all of a sudden see how they start to fit in, the light bulbs are going off for us just as it, perhaps even more so than they are going off oh, for the kids. I can remember once having organized a homeschool meeting. Um, it was something that we did way back when I would find a speaker that someone who would be helpful and I would invite them to come. And then we would call all the homeschool families in the area. And my husband was at one of these and the homeschool moms were asking the presenter questions. And when we got home, my husband said, Oh my goodness. Do you know how intimidating it was being in that room? And I'm like, how is it intimidating? He said, you homeschool mothers, I mean, you were peppering them with questions. You knew things about learning style. What about this? What about that? He said, that's intimidating. He said, I imagine you would intimidate most public school teachers because all of you were right on top of things and you were asking the questions that said, is this something I should use in my family. Will this actually help me? And ever since then, he would joke and say, I tell you the most intimidating group I've ever been around are a bunch of homeschool mothers. <laughs> homeschool moms. That's right. That's right. That's right. Which is a little segue away from our topic, but maybe just maybe that's the reason why homeschooling is under attack and why being told you're just a wife and mother as opposed to having a career and having something where the rest of the world applauds you. I think we're getting the applause of the audience that matters. And that's Jesus Christ, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, because what we're doing is in obedience and it will advance the kingdom of God. I always right. tell women, yes, maybe I would be a great CEO of a major company, but it would be a step down for me because what God has called me to do is to be a wife, a mother, now a grandmother, a mentor, a friend, a Titus II woman to help advance Christ's cause in the world. So, yeah, I don't argue that I could be competent at that, but I don't want to take the demotion, quite frankly. Right. <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah. So I don't think that's really a... Um uh, sidestep necessarily because I really do hear a lot of young women um, and 
uh, reformed circles and and otherwise think that advancing the kingdom or doing being um, uh, pursuing the um, Great Commission and you know going to be a missionary, their perception is oftentimes that that's for some other season or for somebody else. Or how can we reconcile doing that if I'm at home and I have these children? So, again, it just really reiterates that 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 is a significant, significant. It's the it's the primary building block, this family structure and proper thinking and perspective on that is the primary building block. Our home is the first school, the first sense of sense of government, the first church. And if we don't understand those things, we're missing the value. Even if we can do math, we're still missing the great value that God has put on this and assignment that he's given us as, as families. Right. And this goes back to reading the Bible. Really. If you want to find out where God's priorities are, Notice that the first five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, have oftentimes will have genealogies. It's not who was the mayor and then who was the next mayor and then who was the next mayor. It's this was the father of this person, of this person. And sometimes there's even an insertion of and this was the mother. And so I always figure like that woman must have been pretty unique because in the genealogy, which normally would not include the genealogy, including the mother, the mother gets included. And so God works in families. And that's one of the first things that a homeschooling family has to understand. You are not just doing outside school inside in Jesus name. Amen. Right. It has to be foundationally built on honoring God and declaring what we call the crown rights of Jesus Christ. If you go to a Messiah sing along King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the hallelujah chorus. Well, that's true. He is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords and your school should reflect that. So your children not only know what they believe, but they know why they believe it. Right, right, right. So um, I have another um, little um, something that I want you to um, talk about another chapter in in your book, if that's okay, because I really want people talking about my books is just fine. That's okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) um, uh, I really want people to have a really good sense of very, very practical application of this. Okay. And so um, let's see. Um, we are talking about, let me see if I can find it. Um, this is about the chapter, Andrea, um, about minimizing the work of the spirit. Do you remember that chapter about, um, let's talk about that a little bit. I, I, I can't find my place that I'm, that I marked. I'm sorry. Um, but if you remember that, I want to talk about, you know, really, the work of the spirit in our life and what that looks like in very, very practical ways when we're teaching our children and training them. You can never teach what you don't know. So if you know your calling under God 
and you are exercising that calling, then as you teach anything, you recognize that it isn't going to be because you say just the right words or you have just the right books. It's going to be because God will bless your efforts mm -hmm. and your children need to understand that their calling when they're young is to be students is to understand that this is their preparation time because God created them to serve him and to serve him righteously, not just to serve him any way they want. And so we don't want to eliminate the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one that brings change. He brought change in us and he will bring change in them. You will never make yourself a Christian on your own, nor will you ever make your children Christians on your own or on their own. And so in the obedience of living, we expect and hold God to his promises. He tells us to hold him to his promises. He tells us to test him. And he says in the book of Malachi that when we obey him, we will not be able to outrun his blessings. Well, I am not a fast runner. So maybe that's easy for God to outrun me, but there are some fast runners out there. The fact is that we will be showered with blessings, but we have to know on God's terms what those are. Blessings are not a six-finger income. Blessings are not um, having nobody bother you and everybody is conflict-free. Now, we have to understand we live in a world that is fallen, and our job as the redeemed of Christ is to go and return it to not only its original state, but better than that, with an understanding of our redemption. And so the spirit has to be part of your home school. Otherwise, quite frankly, it isn't going to be all that successful. Right. And and part of the thing that you talk about in this chapter is the, the tendency for many um, Christians to, to tell their children only the sweet part about how much Jesus loves them and fail to to tie the consequences of disobedience to, uh, to to sin and what God really says. And so uh, uh, minimizing, then we minimize the power of the Holy Spirit and the, the work of God in our lives and in our children. Right. You gave, you, you gave me um, a thought there. Okay. How we only present the happy things. How many Sunday school classes have those boards of Noah and Mrs. Noah and we have the giraffe and the elephant and they're all hanging out. Do you think that's how it really was? No, I don't. <laughs> Can you imagine what it would be like in that ark hearing people scream and banging on the door because they were drowning and now they knew they were drowning. So the story of Noah's Ark is not a very happy, clappy one where you say, oh, wow, wasn't that fun? Um, it wasn't even fun, I don't think, for the people who were there in the Ark. They were, I mean, they hadn't read the rest of the Bible, so they didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And they were living in faith. God was protecting them. Well, this is the kind of reality that we can bring to our teaching so that we don't have these happy Bible stories that don't reflect real life. No matter how bad things have gotten in our lives, chances are after a hundred years of building an ark, we haven't all gone in and left everything else we knew, right? So as you really take the Bible for a true account 
of history, his story, God's story, then the education, that's why it's so exciting when you do it as the parent, because it's like, oh, now I get it. And, and this is, you know, this is something I want to impart to our children. But never think that you're going to do it with your enthusiasm or bribery or whatever else it's going to be. You're right. going to present it faithfully. You have heard it said, but I say, or you have heard it said, but Christ says. And we always go back to that. Right, right. I, I just really don't see how people can train up their children um, without uh, uh, faith in God and understanding of his word. If for no other reason, all the times they say, why is this? Why is that? And why is something else? If for no other reason, we get to say, because that's the way God made it. Right. But the other thing is, is don't think that people grow up without a faith. Everybody's going to have a faith. The question is, who will that faith be in? And if it's anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, it won't be reliable or unchanging. It will change as other people change. That's why when I said on the job training to solidify your understanding of scripture and that it's not just a bunch of nice words or it contains some words of God. It's the command word of Jesus Christ in the older and the newer Testament. Right. And so we get on the job training when we look to his word, recognize this as an objective standard that we all need to come to. If we don't recognize that as the objective standard and the mm -hmm. law of God, then we won't have God's, we, we won't call sin sin and we won't have the um, uh, the grace and the forgiveness and the atonement that Christ gives us. And so, um, all right, I see the clock. We just have a, a couple more minutes, Andrea. We do. Uh, we can I just go like a few days. I know, we and we have. But, yeah, <laughs> people should realize that Nancy and I, when we come together, um, the clock keeps ticking and we sometimes forget that hours have passed. But I want to make a recommendation just so people aren't left with, okay, so what is she talking about? Hopefully this comes across like you can actually see it correctly. It's not backwards. Yes, it's called The Philosophy of the Christian Curriculum. It's written by Rush Dooney. Not only is it available on the Calcedon site at their store, you can also get it on Amazon if that's an easier way. But if you do go to the Calcedon site, there are an entire series of lectures on Christian education. Rush Juni would usually give a lecture and then he would take his lecture and stick it into books. And this goes through every subject in terms of what would make it foundationally biblical as opposed to superficially biblical. And one of the things that I will offer to anyone who is listening and in any way has questions as a result of the exploration of either my book or this book or any of the lectures, I really say, listen to them first, read these books first, because you will have a multitude of questions and it's best then to help you. Um, somebody very intelligent once told me that you know how much people are learning, not by the answers they give, but by the questions they ask. And so 
I like hearing people's questions, but I want them to be informed questions. So they're not asking me something that we've already covered on a very basic level. So yes, it's a push for my books and Dr. Rajduni's books, but you'll see that there'll be good fruit that comes out of that. Yeah, you did that, um, or Calcedon did a book of the month club on that um, book here not too long ago. It's very, um, inf- it, it's very informative book. I would like for us to um, to do that sometime next week. Might be a little bit too soon. We should give them opportunity to buy the book, read the book, and um, then talk about um, Christian curriculum. Maybe in a couple of weeks or so. Um, sure. Sure. Absolutely. So is there anything else? Well, there's always something else. But for right now, I want to keep these somewhat contained because people have lives to live. And uh, just so for people know, we um, have, I figured out a way, probably if you were real techie, it wouldn't be hard, where these get togethers on Facebook, I can take the audio. So if you would like to listen to them just as audio um, in the not too distant future, I'll have them available on the Calcedon site so that you can just download and listen to them as audio discussions or conversations. That would be great. Thank you very much, Andrea. It's been a pleasure. I love having homeschool answers and talking to you. That's right. All right. Well, see you next time. Next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.